Hello everybody, welcome to Saha Mindset by Psychologist Mamza Saha. I'm Donna Purna, an aspiring psychologist, and here with me today is Nisi. Nisi, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi listeners, I'm Nisi James, a public relations specialist, and we are here today as guest co-hosts for the Saha Mindset podcast. Welcome and we're so excited to be here for today's special episode. Wonderful. Thank you, Missy. So our guest today is going to inspire you with his journey with humility and encourage you to do the same. Without further ado, ladies and gents, I would like to invite Umesh Solanki from the UK who has 20 years of experience as a digital transformation consultant. He also volunteers for the International Association for Human Values, a humanitarian organization that runs several self-development programs and service initiatives all around the world, helping people to manage their stress and anxiety. Welcome, Umesh. It's so great to have you here. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners today? Hello, Donna and Nissi. Thank you so much and thank you. To all the listeners for uh, having me on the show, I'm, I'm excited to be here, so thank you. Um, a little bit about myself, now my background is I'm born and bred in the UK, uh, grew up in Leicester, grew up with a large family, but uh, earlier in my, early in my life uh, my mother and father separated, um, so we moved into a, became a, a single parent household and I grew up with my younger sister my mum and, uh, and myself, and then extended family all around, in, in particular my uh, step-siblings, who were much older than me. Then went to university, you know, had loads of fun in my 20s and 30s. Uh, actually got married uh, in my early 30s, my first, my first marriage. Uh, sadly, that broke down uh, fairly quickly, which was probably probably the second or third biggest grief moment in my life. Then carried on with my life and met my, uh, met my what became my second uh, wife uh, later in my years. Um, sadly, recently that uh, has, uh, has ended. Uh, another grief, big grief moment. And, and, and I think at the beginning of the journey with my second partner is when I really started to think about my mental well-being and really wanting to kind of take a, another step from what I'd been doing before. And a friend of mine had been for years telling me about the art of living and about how, uh, you know, he uses this breathing, just breath work, just to really help him to deal with his stress and anxiety. And I always took, took the mick out of him actually for it. Uh, and it was, uh, it's, a, it's a joke still between the two of us now. And I did my first course, you know, just, just thought, oh, you know what, let me just try something different. And, um, and that first course that I did, it's only a three hour, three day, few hours each day. And it made me feel internally so happy. I never felt that before. It's that, that feeling and that, uh, that desire, which not everyone gets who, who does the course, um, got me hooked. And then since then, that was back in 2013, 2012. I've then, it was a rough ride at the beginning, you know, trying to get this breathing in, trying to get a bit of meditation in. But now, after years of just having, a, you know, the intent, it's built up and, and stayed with me. 
Um, and now as a result of that, the true side of me, which really wants to be of service and wants to be of help, has, I've had the energy and the mindset to be able to just go for it, which then brought me on to the amazing organization, the International Association for Human Values, which is about ultimately about bringing peace to the world. And its mission is to kind of get rid of stress and anxiety and trauma uh, within, the, within the world. They've got programs where we go into the most vulnerable places uh, people are. So in our prisons, in our prison system, um, in war-torn countries where we are really trying to help uh, re-establish societies and rebuild uh, communities that have been torn by those wars. Um, gone into rural areas where we're helping those that don't have access to education to give them a free education. They've got projects where we're regenerating rivers um, and helping um, farmers kind of reuse land that's been stripped and, and, and created bare. So it's an amazing organization. I'm just a, a tiny part where we're helping in the UK to try and uh, lift projects and uh, make projects happen. So I think that's a little bit about me. And now, you know, still going through ups and downs, major recent down, and the knowledge and the practice that I've had has really helped me to kind of get out of that pain and trauma and to mitigate it a lot quicker than what I would have done before. Wow, thank you, Omesh. There's a lot to uncover in that. And I'm going to start off by telling our listeners that today our main theme is all about grief and men's mental health. So, Umesh, how would you define grief? I mean, I think the, um, the definition of grief is intense sorrow. And uh, for me personally, I think grief is, is very personal, obviously because the intensity of that sorrow can be brought on by, you know, by your own personal circumstances, your own personal connection with things. And for me, there's been sadness in my life, um, but that's been short-lived. And I think grief is something which is a lot more intense, a lot more physically debilitating, where, where you can't really think about anything else. And when you try to, you know, distract yourself and you try to do something else to kind of get away from it. You can't, it's just there and you have to deal with it. Um, or, you know, even if you don't deal with it, it will, like in my, I think in my twenties, early twenties, this is when I started work. I was climbing the ladder. I was in a consultancy, which was internationally known. And, you know, they've been known to like work really hard, really intensely and deal with difficult situations. And I was at a project which was failing and um, um, there was lots of pressure from the partners, lots of pressure from the peer to the groups, my own peers, uh, and, and I couldn't handle it. You know, my brain just shut down. It was, it was just went, it went in overdrive. I had personal issues going on, the lover of my life at that moment. Um, we were breaking up and there was no hope in sight. So there was, the, there was the personal stuff going on and the work stuff. And that for my brain, just some simple things. But if I look back now, I think I could do in my sleep. I was, I was paralyzed. I wasn't able to do anything. And so I think that intensity, you know, uh, and, and recently my mum had 
a brain tumor, I had to look after her, and then she recently passed away recently. You know, that was another set of grief, another set of hopes and desires of what I wanted us to be like together um, had been taken away and, and shattered and, and future plans had been gone and vanished. And I had to deal with that intensity. And that was incredibly sad and it still is sad now. So yeah, that's how I define grief. Wow. Um, first of all, I would like to say, I'm so sorry for your loss and you know your definition of grief. You've taken an interesting take on it. And I absolutely agree with you. People often think that when we talk about grief, it's just an emotion. It's just a feeling that, you know, it's bound to pass. Yes, it is bound to pass, but there are physical consequences of it. You know, as you said, it, it gets too much sometimes and your brain it just feels as if it's in overdrive, as you said, and you feel paralyzed. You can't actually physically do anything. So I absolutely agree with you. Umesh, can you tell us a little bit more about your journey with grief and how you came out on the other side of it? Yeah, I can, I can explain that. And, and also, just to add to the, uh, the summary that you lovely put together, you know, grief can come, can be not just intense in terms of like straight away, it can also build up over time, you know, and, and then all of a sudden you realize where on earth have I got to and then grief kind of dawns on you. So yeah, it can be intense in the description I explained, but also it can build up slowly. Uh, and I think for me personally, the build up slowly was my career and my over-focus on my career, uh, which, which kind of brought that, brought that to a head uh, later on in life. Um, but to answer your question, I think early in my, in my younger years, um, my mom and dad separating, I thought that brought on grief, which I'm probably still not mentally fully aware of, but definitely um, a lot of it has been uh, expressed. My heart being broken by lovers of my life um, on a personal note. And in, and in those early years, you know, as a kid, I don't, I don't think I had any mechanisms of, of dealing with it, and nor did the adults in my, in my sphere have the ability to help me uh, deal with it. Um, so I think I just blocked it, not until in my 20s, when I had some counseling, did I really start to uncover those things? And then with heartbreaks, you know, I think I, I had, luckily I had a very supportive mother um, uh, and she was always a, a, a bedrock for me. Um, and so just talking to her, you know, getting her cuddles, you know, talking to friends, getting them to, you know, be empathetic and, uh, and just be there, uh, helped me deal with those grief. But then, and then in my, with my first wife and us separating, that was a huge blow to me, largely because we'd been together seven, eight years in a relationship. And after we got married, you know, it, she just, I think she, it dawned on her that she didn't, didn't like me. You know, the person who I was, uh, wasn't who she really wanted and she was trying to change me. And, uh, and that hurt a lot, that hurt a lot. And in those early years, in those 30s, I think, I dealt with that grief. You know, my work was, was also badly, was failing. I was, I was made, I was going to get the sack and in essence made, got made redundant. And so I took some time off work and uh, my relationship ended. Like, uh, and so I just then went into myself. I kind of cut myself off from, the, from my friends 
Uh, it was winter time. Um, I was eating lots. I was relying on alcohol. I was relying on marijuana. And uh, and then luckily, you know, and luckily I also had my friends and my family who would check up on me and, you know, we would do little things here and there, you know, just whatever I could manage. But I remember just really being in a cave and kind of hibernating. And um, it was the summer and the sun and just an attitude of, I'm fed up of this. I'm fed up of, you know, being in this miserable state and being in my cave. I was probably in the cave for like four months, five months. And it was, it was around May and the sun was coming out. Spring was happening. People were, you know, moving along the canals, which was outside my, my apartment at the time. And I decided just my mindset just changed. Like, I need to do something else. This is not where I want to be. So I exercised, I, I went on daily bike rides, uh, got lots of fresh air, um, started eating less, you know, lost a bit of weight uh, and started meeting friends again. You know, we were all going out, going to bars, going to restaurants, going to galleries. And so I think that's what helped me get out of grief. But those were periods which were quite long. And then I found the art of living, it came into my life. And um, it was a time when I really needed to also get rid of the, the marijuana and the, and the desire for these things which were great and fun when in my 20s and in my early 30s, but which were no longer serving me and something I was bored of being in, but I was addicted. And, um, and I needed a change, um, especially as I, was, I found my new partner, um, who then became uh, my wife, and I just wanted to change. And so the art of living gave me something else to kind of focus on, actually. And it was rough right at the beginning. You know, they say try and do 20 minutes every day, but I was barely managing five minutes, 10 minutes, and I was definitely not doing it on the weekends. Um, but slowly kept the intention, built it up. And recently, with my mum passing, with the, the knowledge that I had from the years I've been with the, with the art of living, they give you just enough to be able to help you at that moment in time. It's, it's amazing the way they've set it up. And um, I had enough knowledge, so knowledge about what was going on, what was in the wider space, that I was able to deal with my grief with my mum, but also be there for other people in my family and take care of myself. You know, so to not let other people go over boundaries, which would then give me more grief, you know, where I wasn't taking care of myself. And uh, it resulted in me, you know, so I, I did the breath work, I did uh, meditations, um, I did some chanting, I, I went to ancient scriptures, which were explained in modern times, and to just kind of to, to learn uh, of what's going on, you know what's going on in the bigger space. And from those nuggets of knowledge, from that breath work, from the, and it's not just breathing, it's sequenced breathing, like conscious sequenced breathing with intent um, that you learn, that it really helped me to accept the moment, accept the situation that my mom was in, accept totally that the plans that I had were no longer possible. And from that acceptance uh, allowed me to be closer and much more loving and kind to my mum. that other members of my family were just over, overtaken by the grief, 
which meant they weren't able to really fully be there for my uh, for my mum. But uh, luckily for me, I had those tools. And even though it was incredibly sad, I was able to be very loving and caring towards my mother, you know, with my mum saying she was surprised, you know, she was surprised at how loving and caring I was and uh, and uh, how I had become her golden nugget, I think she said. She said, she's saying in Gujarati, and if I could put you, she's saying, you're my gold. And if I could make you into a statue, I would make you into a gold statue and put you into the temple and pray, you know, you have been amazing. Like, and it's, and she was had a big smile on her face, you know, that she, and I, that she could see this side of me towards her and probably some doubts she's had in her own mind because of her, her own history with men, with uh, family and being let down. And she's incredibly strong and independent, but allowing her to not be independent and not have to be strong and giving that to me was, uh, was beautiful, you know, and, and I would not have been able to have existed in that space with her for the length of time I had if it wasn't for the knowledge, wasn't for the breath work. And, and grief now, after years, you know, it's still incredibly painful. You know, I wish all the grief that I had, I didn't have. But at the same time, you know, I can't change, I can't change it. But at the same time, that grief now I can see has strengthened me, has brought me closer to the person who I really want to be, who I am inside, like who I think I, who I am inside and showing it on the outside, you know, with doing this voluntary work, with being there for family, being loving and kind, even when they are being shouting at me, even when they're being aggressive or, you know, un, unkind and unreasonable, I'm still able to kind of be compassionate, be loving, be kind. And, and this is who I want to be, you know, it's, and it's not, that person hasn't always been there because he's been overtaken by grief, been overtaken by anger, been overtaken by sorrow, um, by regret and neglect. And uh, a person that's not kind has shone through, but now I'm able not to, and I love it, you know? And, and without the grief, I wouldn't have been able to see this stuff. So yeah, it's, it's kind of grateful for the grief almost like now, which sounds weird to say, you know, but yeah, grateful and grateful for my mum having gone through the, the pain that she'd gone through because it allowed me to be in the space with her, be the kind, be loving, be totally generous, you know, and let go of my fear, let go of fear of work, let go of fear of whether I'll be helped or not. And you saw, and I saw like family members, you know, that, you know, come and stood up with me. You know, they, uh, even though one family member wasn't able to stand close and by with me who I'd expected to, you know, uh, and I just let go, you know, just let go of the fear, like, it's okay, you know, just trust in the universe, trust in, in other people, trust in, 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 in other, yeah, in, in other worlds, and, um, and it materialized, like, without me even trying or asking, you know, I had, I had three cousin sisters who stood up, they sent food to me, they called to check on me regularly, you know, they called my mum, you know, I had, and they were surprised, you know, I had, I had 
food, which was had so much Indian food that I didn't really need to cook any Indian food uh, at all, you know, and that took a massive burden away from me. Um, and that was as a result of uncles, aunties, cousins, you know, just really stepping up. And, uh, and when they came to visit, there was such a joyous moment, you know, around and, uh, and lightness that we wouldn't have experienced if it wasn't for what we were going through, you know? Um, and so, yeah. And now those relationships are much stronger than they'd ever been, you know, much stronger. So grief has been intense, has been incredibly sad, incredibly the lowest parts of my life, but also now I can look back and be grateful for them because they, they kind of got rid of stuff inside of me and forced it out, you know? Yeah, and I can now smile about it. Let me humbly acknowledge your strength and resilience. Also, Mish, while you were talking about your mother and your relationship with her, it reminded me of my mom and my relationship with her. And I definitely do agree. Often mothers are always there for their kids. Even though they have their own needs, they often put it aside just for their kids. In our world today, it is so easy to be grateful when life is going in accordance to our plans. But when you have had sheer trial after trial, it's difficult to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And most people just want to give up. And they usually do. And in return, they miss out on the great blessings waiting on the other side. Omesh, you've clearly been through so much. So during these trying times, what were the pivotal moments where you found strength? Well, thank you for that acknowledgement. Uh, it, uh, I think it's a, you know, it's a lovely journey that I'm on. And I'm truly blessed to be with this person, this body, and experiencing these different things. It's, it's amazing. Each of us have that. Each of us have a unique perspective. There's lots of stuff which we all as human beings and living creatures on this earth have shared in common. And at, at the same time, there's this uniqueness that is our life uh, and is our story. Yeah, so that's it's beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. So I think, uh, I think I kind of touched on it already with regards to uh, my mom, with my separation of my, my first wife, and now the separation of my second wife. You know, those have been moments of grief. And where I have the those have been moments of grief and what I have then leaned into, you know, previously it was alcohol, drugs, you know, partying, uh, I leaned into uh, kind of an escapism, but now, you know, I realized that those didn't serve me at all, not properly. I mean, they served in the short term, but not really in the long term. And now, you know, it is my breath work. It is my meditations. It is my, the knowledge. And, and really, I think actually, really giving like being of service like really just trying your best to see that there's a problem and finding a solution and those moments where you give yourself there's uh and you expect nothing in return like you expect nothing in return you don't get no money you don't get any any gratitude you don't get any recognition you know where you're just like i'm just doing it and um you start to see what well, I start to see like, like miracles, you know, blessings come your way. Things that 
you don't expect to happen and you surrender, um, they get sorted out, you know? And the more you just surrender, the, it, it's not surrender in the sense you don't do anything. You've got to do the best you can. You've got to push and make things happen the best you can. You can't just sit on your butt and hope everything will land on your feet. But once you've done everything you can and all you can do is surrender and to keep your mind at peace, to kind of, you know, keep things sane, whatever's meant to happen will happen and it will work itself out. You know, so I think, uh, I think those were the, the pivotal moments. And those were moments where I just leaned into the knowledge, um, leaned into my breath work, leaned into the meditation, you know, just little bits of it, doing as much as you can whenever you can, you know, and having, having never give up the intention. So even though I may have failed every day, I never still gave up the idea that I'm going to do it. Um, and those have kept me going, you know, those have kept me sane, kept me grateful. Yeah. That's beautiful. And you're right, you know, when we when we surrender to the universe and we we help someone else without expecting something in return, it's it's beautiful and wonderful and a bit crazy how everything just works out for your good. And you know, thank you so much for sharing these nuggets of wisdom with us. And we know that grief is different from person to person and you have been through so much of grief and we know that you know with the current situation of the world with covid and everything people are losing so many things people are losing lives people are losing their livelihoods their businesses and and so on and we know because of this they are experiencing so much grief so what advice would you have to our listeners out there who are struggling with grief today what's one step that they can take today to overcome their grief? So, I mean, I think advice I can't give primarily because advice is personal to that individual. You know, what is it, what is it that that person is able to do? What is it that whilst they're in that depth of low energy, low desire, you know, giving up almost no hope, you know, it's personal to that person. They've got to, They've got to go find what it is that will help them just a tiny step to, to, to move forward, you know, and there's lots of things you can do as your first step, a little bit of exercise. That exercise doesn't have to be, you know, hardcore in the gym. It can be going for walks, being in nature, observing what's around you to bring you to the present moment, talking to friends and family, you know, about what's going on and talking to people who will listen you know, because a lot of friends have good intentions, um, but may not always be able to just listen. Uh, and I think when you're in grief, what you need is someone to be empathetic, not sympathetic, and to, um, and to listen. You know, and counsellors are great with that, you know, really good with that. Um, that's, that's what they're trained to do, you know, and lots of employers... You know, there's lots of counselors out there, lots of employers out there that can, that can do it. You know, I run a, a yoga group. We run a free yoga group. We've been running it since the start of the pandemic. Um, we run it every day at seven o'clock and five o'clock. We do a bit of breath work at the beginning. So a little bit of breathing, then do some light stretches for the body and then end with a, with, with, with a meditation, short meditation. And sometimes there's some uh, longer meditations. So there's those things you can, there's that, it's free. You can go and find it. Um, uh, I can 
share the, the actual link for that. But really, if you really want to take control, if you really want to make a difference, and not just for this short term, but for long term, um, then I cannot, I cannot talk and encourage the um, happiness course, which it was called then, but the, now it's called Meditation and Breath Workshop run by The Art of Living. It's, a, uh, it's run over three days, uh, three hours or two hours each day. Um, uh, very flexible, lots of courses. So you can find one which is it's run all online. And that will truly give you the tools, very basic tools, very easy to learn uh, tools to help you manage your stress. And, and, and it will help you immediately. They will give you little nuggets of wisdom, little nuggets of uh, breath work so that you can get started and something and a community of people that you can rely on to help you when you're struggling and when you fall, you know, like, like we all do. Even though I've had years of doing the breath and meditation stuff, you know, going through my mum's stuff, I was struggling to get out of bed. You know, I struggled to, you know, stop my mind from oscillating from the past and the future and the, you know, but I've had people that without any expectation of them getting anything in return, no money, no, no reward, no, no uh, friendship have helped me, you know, have, I've reached out to them and helped me. Um, and I think it's, it's most important for, for those who are around people dealing with grief to offer guidance and advice, most certainly not to force, but to offer it and to remind those that are going through grief what they can do and try to help remove the obstacles uh, on their path. And also those going through the grief to recognize you're going through the grief to recognize that there is something you can do if you want to do it to, to move forward uh, and to get yourself out of it. Wow, thank you, Mesh. These are such insightful tips and I'm sure our listeners found them super helpful as well. Grief doesn't discriminate against gender. It affects both men and women. But we find that there are a lot of resources out there for women, but not so many for men. Men's mental health has been neglected in our societies. What do you have to say to those who are suffering silently with no help in sight? Well, I'd like to think, I mean, I was trying to think about this question, you know, men. So I reached out to other men that I knew, I know of, and to kind of just get their opinion. You know, for me personally, I've, I think I've articulated my journey and, uh, and what I went through to kind of help with this. Um, and I think, I think definitely the idea or the, the idea behind men not accepting mental health, I think is drastically reduced compared to 10, 15 years ago. You know, I don't think that stigma is still there. Um, so I think those that are still feeling that way or not even conscious of it, um, know that actually you're probably more in the minority now than we were 10 years ago, five years ago. I think men are a lot more accepting of uh, their vulnerabilities and their weaknesses now than they have been before. So I'd like to make sure that's pointed out clearly. Um, and, and, and I think the men generally, from the, the guys that I've spoken to, will speak a little bit to their mates 
probably not initially. I think initially they will rely on exercise um, to, to help with it. Um, and, and I think, and I think the, some people may be concerned that showing vulnerability is a weakness and actually showing vulnerability is a strength in my experience and from what I see others do. And the reason it's a strength is because accepting and acknowledging what you can and can't do is a strength. You know, it is a weakness where you cannot see your own weaknesses and where you cannot come out of it. Um, so, you know, I would encourage those male listeners uh, and those female listeners, you know, that have got male partners or males in their group, you know, to just be there, be there for them, you know, and allow them the space to be uh, with their grief and allow them the space to decide for themselves what they want to do, you know, without pressure, without belittling, you know, and and I think important for men, and especially if a, if another man or if in particular a partner or a female is helping, is to not squash the ego of a man. I think when you allow the ego of a man and their and their masculinity to be uh, exist and to still be strong, I think it will help them to be able to come out of their own, uh, their own grief um, and their own sorrow. And it's patience. You've just got to be patient. You know, keep guiding, keep uh, kindly and gently introducing things. And eventually, over time, they will see it for themselves. They will see it for themselves. Amazing. And I agree with you. You know, it's the first step is identifying that there's something that needs to be fixed. You know, you do have a weakness, but in order for you to make that weakness your strength, it's that first step of identification. And as you said, you know, the people who will be helping these men and, you know, helping these men improve their mental health, it's important that we don't, you know, squash that man's ego and, you know, help them, help them understand themselves, but not see them as, you know, being weak. So I just want to say to all the men who fall into this category, we recognize your struggle and we hear you. So lastly, Umesh, what are some simple yet effective steps that you would recommend some of these men who fall into this category, you know, who are dealing with mental health issues or who are dealing with grief? What are some simple steps, but effective steps that they can take to improve their mental health? Lovely. So I think um, immediate steps that you can take is, and I think 50% of the, the battle of this change is accepting where you are. When you have done that, that is half the battle already done. So the rest of it isn't going to be as difficult as what you've just gone through. So I'd like to first make that clear. If you can, you know, the easiest steps to do is to find someone that can help you do some breath work. That can be on YouTube. You know, the Art of Living have many uh, YouTube videos on meditation, on breath work, on yoga. I would say those are there's like five minutes, 10 minutes, and follow those. You know, I think that's a good initial step. And come join, come join the, come join the yoga group that I've got running. You know, we, we run it over Zoom. 
We, it's free, you know, we've got experienced, you know, highly experienced yoga teachers, highly experienced meditators, highly experienced. I, I think we even had Mantha actually at the beginning, she would be giving the, the affirmations and the uh, meditations at the end of our, of our yoga classes when we first started uh, early last year. So, you know, come join that um, and join for as long as you want. You know, we have it for an hour, but do the first five minutes, do the first 10 minutes, you know, you can do any of that. Um, that would be my top tip to really help you be, a, be at peace and, and find that calmness that's within you quickly. Eventually, you will come out the grief. Eventually, time will pass enough that you will come out of it. There will be a, a rock bottom place you hit, which will get you out of it. Wonderful. Simple yet very effective steps. Thank you, Umesh. I cannot wait to attend these workshops in the coming future, especially the meditation ones. Thank you for sharing your insights with us today. Umesh, you've been so wonderful and we hope that you continue to inspire many more in the future. As we come to the end of today's episode, can you let our listeners know where they can follow you, get in touch with you and be involved in your projects? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd also like to, to kind of point out that actually, you know, even though it seems like I'm doing stuff, actually all these participants are giving me much more than what I'm, I'm, I'm giving. You know, I have learned from these guys a hell of a lot more about myself and about what I'm capable of more from them. So I am in awe and in gratitude for them giving them their, or for them giving me their time to allowing me to be in this space and allowing me to, to grow. So, you know, my heartfelt thanks goes to them. And for, to, to contact me, um, I think the only place really you can contact me is on LinkedIn. So it's linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Umesh Solanki. Amazing. It's been so lovely chatting with you and we will make sure to include all of your details in the caption below. Thank you, Umesh, our listeners and my lovely co-host, Missy, and of course, Mamta Saha for giving us this platform to have this wonderful, wonderful episode today. So we'll be signing off now, sending you love and light. Thank you and goodbye.